My guest this week is Lisa Conway Hughes, a financial advisor and author. We chat about why she started the Miss Lolly blog and how this led to a book publishing deal with Penguin. Welcome to episode 198 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hey folks and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. So let's get straight into this week's interview, and it's a fascinating one. Now, I've had a few financial advisor guests on the show who've gone on to write books. Chris Budd and Pete Matthew come to mind immediately. Lisa Conway Hughes is a financial advisor. She's also set up a blog called the Miss Lolly blog. And as a result of setting up that blog, she was approached by Penguin, the publishers, to write a book about making financial services simple and appeal to millennials. It's a fascinating story. So let's get straight into that interview with Lisa right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Lisa, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you for having me. Lisa, tell me, where are we talking to each other from today? Of course, I'm up here in sunny Edinburgh. Um, I'm in London on Fleet Street. Lisa, you are a financial advisor. You work for a company called Westminster Wealth Management, but you've also got your own website called Miss Lolly, which is all about smart financial advice for women. So that's a really fascinating project that you've got that I'd love to talk about. But in addition to the website, you're also writing a book um, called Money Lessons, How to Manage Your Finances to Get the Life that You Want. So you've obviously um, got a lot on the go at the moment. It was a busy summer. (laughs) So before we get into talking about all of that, Lisa, maybe give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and basically what makes Lisa Conway Hughes tick? Um, Well, I started in the industry, I suppose, a little bit lost looking for any job after university. Um, And I started working for um, a firm of financial advisors. And that was just me getting into the industry. And then I I started by doing all of my exams and working my way up to fellowship, which I did just well, just before I was 30. And then I decided to sort of set off on my own um, and joined a company called Westminster Wells back in 20. 12-ish that kind of time and and about that time I was also thinking about having kids and taking time off and and I think I realized that that I needed to sort my own money out if I was really honest I've been busy focusing on everyone else's and I realized that the skills that we obviously have as financial advisors maybe we take them for granted it was really easy for me to sort my money out and get back on track um, when I had my kids so I thought that's why what I need to do is put pen to paper and and start showing other people how to do it, which is why I did Miss Lolly, really, mm-hmm. um, as, as a way to make those money skills and, and the money tips that we give all our clients accessible to people that ordinarily wouldn't approach a financial advisor, but I think most importantly wouldn't want to pay the money for a financial advisor. And how did you, just just before we move on to talk about how you developed Miss Lolly yeah. and how you got into the book, what 
motivated you to become a financial advisor in the first place? And the reason I ask this is I've recently had yeah. a couple of guests on the show. First of all, Molly Burge was a, a guest a few episodes yeah. back, and, and Molly's only um, in her early 20s. And I think one of the things that she said is that there's not that many young people these days get excited about financial services. I guess if truth be told, mm-hmm. there's not many people full stop get excited about financial yeah. services. But uh, what was it that got you into it in the first place? Because hopefully people listening to this show, if they are considering a career in financial services, it might be something they might want to have a look at. The, the initial thing that got me into it, um, it's not very glamorous really. I just wanted a job and any job would have done if I'm really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took it. I took the job. It was the first really one that was offered to me out of uni. And, and then when I started it and started in the environment, that's when I got hooked and I realised that that's what I had a passion for without really anything. I think if on a careers day, if someone had said, do you want to become a financial advisor? I definitely have ticked the box that said no. Right. Um, um, but it was when I was in it that it's not just about learning about tax. It's not just about knowing the pension rules inside out. It's actually digging deep in, into people's personal lives and understanding what makes them tick and forming that long-term relationship with the clients that I really, really love. Yeah, I I think the job is way more than I ever thought it was going to be, actually. I think that getting to know people, digging into their lives, and and actually helping them, that's what it's all about, Mm. isn't it? I know it's about money, but it's about helping people, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think it's really rewarding, especially now that I'm seeing sort of doing a 15-year review Mm. um, for clients now that can really see... The progress that, that I've made over that really short period of time. Well, it is a long period of time, but it's flown by. Those people easily could have not had a financial plan and gone a bit wayward with their money over that period. Yeah, I think it's really rewarding to see the changes that and the impact that we have as advisors on people's money over a time frame like that. So you're a chartered financial planner. You've been working for this yeah. firm for quite a while. What was it that made you decide to actually set this website Miss Lolly up and 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 how did you come up with the idea for it was there a light bulb moment where you sat in a coffee shop or a pub somewhere and you thought ah Miss Lolly um well it was all pub related (laughs) and um I'm a member of a ladies network group called Sister Snog and it's full of really really interesting women and I think well all very interesting, all very intelligent, but slightly crazy women. It had never really occurred to me to have this sort of alter ego and to try to pink up the world of financial advice, which is typically a little bit grey. Um, and one of my friends, Jane, who um, is a journalist, we were just over a wine, a group of 10 of us sort of brainstorming ideas and of what I could call my sort of alter ego in the financial services industry. And she came up with Miss Lolly and, and we loved it really. I, I, it was it didn't compare to any of the others. So I just ran with that. And initially, Miss Lolly wasn't anything other than a Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And it was only then when I had my children and was not bored at home, but there's a lot of time when babies sleep that I was thinking of what I can do and, and, and really speaking to friends who are in similar situations. But I realised that that age, that age in your life, you want to be making some quite sensible financial choices that people don't often do because they don't know where to start, they don't know what to do. So that's where Miss Lolly came about. Um, and it's just growing from then. I didn't really mean, well, I always hoped it would be successful, but um, quite quickly, I think um, I did the websites in the January, February, and then in the March, the FT 
digital editor picked up on it. I did an article um, on on my website, and then it just went from there. I started to get a lot of press coverage, a lot of sort of media um, inquiries that just then helped it to grow and grow. And and I suppose the speaking part of it has sort of grown over the last four or five years as well. And did you have an original goal for it, or or was it quite literally a bit of a hobby whilst you were still at home? Yeah, it was just really supposed. I don't know what it was supposed to be actually, but. In the beginning, it was me tweeting as something other than Lisa Conway Hughes, because obviously from a compliance issue, you need to be careful mm. about what you put on Twitter and your on, and your real name. Um, and so it was just really supposed to be that for me to get this online following. And then it just grew and grew. And I think co- that coincided with some time off, which I wanted to fill. One of the things that is a constant theme on the Marketing and Finance podcast, and it's something that I've wrestled with throughout my career, mainly as a marketing person in financial services, is the fact mm-hmm. that financial services on the whole, not only as you've described it as, as grey already, and, and, and I, I agree with that, it's also quite a complicated is- industry, isn't it? You know, when mm-hmm. we talk about investments and pensions and, and protection insurance, whatever it is, and, and the language that we use in the industry is often quite quite bloated and and heavy was one of the things that you wanted to try to do to try and make things a lot simpler for people to understand did you want to build that into the idea for the website yeah i think because i my my very first financial advisory firm what they sort of used to do was wheel me out to employers to mm-hmm. do um, employee benefit chat really Mm -hmm. so explaining how the company pension works explaining how the benefits work and I suddenly realized that maybe that was something I was really good at which is explaining quite complex financial things into normal people's people's English yeah and then naturally I think that's how I would talk anyway so that was the language that I used on the um, Miss Lolly website um and so it happened by default, really. It, it, I definitely didn't write a business plan and say I wanted to write in plain English, but I think it, I just wrote it in my own tone of voice, and that's what came across. That's one of the things that I absolutely love is that people who talk in their own tone of voice. I mean, mm. most of the time, again, big corporates do tend to overblow things. They use passive language. They use management speak. They use industry jargon. But most of the time, if if people like us are talking about finance in the pub we don't use jargon and we don't use passive language we just talk as we normally talk and therefore why not talk like that when talking to other people and potential clients it it just makes absolute perfect sense to me but i think our industry uses that jargon almost like a safety blanket because if we're using it and we're our clients look a bit mystified by what we're saying it makes us seem intelligent and they're never going to leave us because they need us. Well, actually, I think it bores the client and they don't engage with the financial plan as much as you'd like them to. And maybe they just give up. They're not motivated by it anymore. Um, whereas I think if you get them on the same level as you and you really dig in deep to find out what makes them tick in a way that they understand, I think it's a way to really keep your client um, on a long-term basis. I absolutely agree. Keeping things simple is one of the best ways to engage with people. So I'm looking at the Miss Lolly website, Smart Financial Advice for Women, and you've got Financial Basics, you've got Question and Answer section, you've got the Lolly blog. (laughs) I love the Lolly blog. And obviously some free financial resources as well. What's the sort of feedback you've had from the women who've been reading the website? When I was doing the research for my book, it's when I really noticed what the feedback actually was, because I did a little bit of a survey. And 
some of the comments on the survey were really heartwarming. It made me realise that without realising, I have made a big difference to people's lives who wouldn't naturally go and seek advice. So I, that was the first time I suppose I'd come really face to face with the with positive comments really I think um with the rest of the time um it's just people asking you questions and then thanking you for the answer really yeah um so it's lovely to know the bigger picture of how you actually impact people's lives and and I was quite surprised actually that the website's pink I'm Miss Lolly um and I talk about things from a female perspective when I'm doing my blog but there are a lot of men that subscribe when I last in the early days, and, and I think this was kind of probably skewed a bit by maybe my dad joining or something, <laughs> but it's as high as 60% men, more men than women. And then now, well, the last time I checked, it was more like 25% men, percent men to 75% women. So there's still men, I think, who are looking for an alternative um, view on money, not just a, a typically male world I, I think that could be a testament to the tone of voice you know, just what we described mm. before about keeping it simple and explaining it in an easy to understand way i think that's possibly what's attracting the male cohort as well yeah I, I, it really wasn't something i expected to have and as a consequence of that one of the big areas i deal with is divorce and and, and i think really that's demonstrative really of the the, the age group that read miss Lolly. i think they are people who typically in their late 30s to early 50s mm-hmm. that are the readers and well they can contact the real life me rather than Miss Lolly about their divorces and I get a lot of men that way really as well on, on the subject of divorce. So you've got Miss Lolly the website and you're also yeah. still working as a financial advisor. How did the book come about? Well it was really you have to be careful what you ask for sometimes don't you? I was <laughs> on my, my friend my friend Nicole Bremner is a property expert and she invited me onto her podcast last November and last November she just finished the podcast sort of with the question of so what does 2018 hold for Miss Lolly and I don't know why I said it really it wasn't really in my in my, the forefront of my mind of something I was definitely going to do or maybe I was just copying her because she'd written a book um, but I said oh I'd love to write a book and then really out of the blue in um, February to, of 2018 so sort of a couple of months later via Instagram uh, Penguin got in touch and said they were thinking about writing a book and could I be the expert that wrote that book for them so it was all really exciting um, and a bit weird because I'd said it out loud. <laughs> So you actually set yourself a goal, which in some respects might have been a little bit of a joke, but it became a reality. Yeah, it became a reality. It did. That's fantastic. So did, did Penguin give you a brief that you followed or did they give you quite a lot of um, latitude with how you could go about this? Well, yeah. The editing of the book was quite heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean that as a negative, but they definitely helped, helped me to steer the book towards a younger market because I'm used to writing um, for... I suppose I feel like I'm writing it for me, so I'm in my late 30s now. And so I think that the tone of Miss Dolly and the subjects that I write about are always things that seem to be on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the book highlighted that I'm not as young as I thought I was <laughs> <laughs> um, or as relevant maybe um, and so um, Penguin did really really help me, uh, me to understand the subjects that were really important to people in their mid-20s which is the, uh, the millennials are the target for the book um, so I learned a huge amount really mainly about language about the tone that I should be using for um, 
for that target market and and also really even though there's only 10 years different um learning what makes them tick is very different to what what makes me and my generation tick it's very interesting that whole tone of voice thing and we we refer to it within the website but obviously websites there is a certain way of writing a blog isn't there? you need to have relatively Mm. short paragraphs you know most paragraphs in blogs tend to be only one or two sentences books maybe give you a little bit more flexibility but i hadn't probably quite thought about it as much as it before you mentioned that the actual tone of voice of the book because i'm writing a book at the moment about keeping marketing simple how to put together a simple marketing strategy and and of course i'm trying to live by what i believe in and write it in a very simple way and not use complicated jargon but i probably haven't thought about am i actually talking in the language of the of the target audience but i haven't got to the editing stage yet i'm still in the process of firing it all down onto paper or firing it all onto the screen so maybe i'll get to that stage later once i start engaging with an editor yeah i think well that's all i did was at the beginning just write everything down i mean the benefit of working with a big company like penguin is that they've got a huge amount of resource behind them to support me and to really help and i had an amazing editor look after me the only downside was the deadline was really short. Mm. So in the end, really, I had two months to get the first draft in um, with a target of between sixty and 70,000 words, which then got edited. A lot of it got cut out um, where I sort of missed the target market, if you like. Mm-hmm. And then there was another bout of rewriting and adding in um, to do. But I really did learn a lot. I really did. That's an, a massive pressure to put upon yourself when you're also running a website and you're also doing a full-time job and you've got young children as well yeah i think i aged over the summer <laughs> how, how did what was the discipline you came up with was it a couple of hours first thing in the morning or do you did, did you do it at night how did you how did you cope with those targets well i'm an all or nothing kind of person usually so what i would do just to keep the momentum going was every morning on the way in to work I would write for as long as I could write for the journey of the train and I would usually be getting five or six hundred words done in the morning mm. on the journey in and then I would be spending my commute home just researching topics really or what I could include and just making notes really for the next day and then I would just do sometimes all-nighters or all-weekenders and in a session do 10,000 words and not stop. I love that approach. I love that approach of using the train time. Uh, most people, of course, on the trains, if they can get a seat, are probably either reading a book or listening to a, some music or maybe listening to a podcast, but actually sitting there writing a book, that's that's pretty impressive. I, I quite like yeah, It really to... taught me how much extra time I have as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love to dictate, so I tend to use my iPhone almost as a dictating machine, and it and it types it out into the into the notes facility, well, and then later I just go in and add in the punctuation and edit it from there. And that is a massive time saver. But I don't think I could sit on a train in the morning and sit there talking into the iPhone. But then again, people no. are talk, people are talking <laughs> on iPhones to other people. What what what's the difference? I guess in me talking into it as a dictating machine. But I guess I'd probably have got some. Str- strange looks if I had done that. Or some extra readers. <laughs> That's right. So what's the, um, the the book's due to be published next year, isn't it? So how far yeah. how far are you now? We're getting towards the um, uh, the middle of October now, October 2018, for those of you listening to this in the future or the past or whenever it is. So how much more work have you got to do on this, Lisa? Well, hopefully 
hopefully not a huge amount and I hopefully it's the fun bit now which is the promoting it mm. so it's with the copywriters right now and then there'll be one last look over by me of what of sort of the things that they pull up and then I think it's got to go through the legal team mm. for a check and then and, and in the meantime all the it, it's a very colorful book very you you will um as a reader you're involved you write down your goals you think about what's important you write it all down so there's a lot of design work that needs to go into the book okay. um, which the team are doing now. But yeah, mainly it, it looks like we're now set for the fun bit. So I'm talking at Stylist Live um, later on in the year. Um, if you know Stylist, it's a magazine that comes out free weekly. Mm-hmm. And you can hand it out at train stations and they have a great conference. So I'm one of the speakers there. So it's just really getting me out there now and talking about the book and raising awareness. So you're going to be doing speaking, presumably using social media. Will Penguin be advertising this as well? Yeah, I I think so. Um, There's a marketing team that's been assigned to my book, I mean, as one of the books that they're promoting. And so together we've just been sending ideas between us all. And I suppose the ultimate aim is to get get a, a copy in front of as many people as possible. And what would you say, Lisa, was the one big thing that you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take out of the experiences of you've had being a financial advisor, being the author of a website, and now being the author of the Money Lessons book? Um, well, you put me on the spot, but the thing that first comes to my mind is when I joined financial services in the early 2000s, it felt a very different industry to what it is now. And at that time, it felt like I was constantly trying to be molded mm-hmm. into what financial services had been and perhaps not what financial services was going to become. So I think what I'm really pleased of is that I didn't, maybe out of stubbornness, I didn't take all of that on board, like always writing in a fountain pen, changing the, the way that I that I talk and the language that I use. I didn't I didn't give in. And so I think I kept my own identity within an industry that maybe naturally I wouldn't have been a an obvious fit. I think that's fantastic that the fact that you almost rebelled against the um, establishment and and that, that's the only way that <laughs> things can change. You know, I've been rebelling yeah. against passive language for my entire marketing career and uh, everybody who works with me knows that it's one of my little things, my little bugbears is I'll always get the red pen out and strike through any passive language, but it's the only way that we can change what is still perceived to be a very dull, boring, and and sometimes you know people think that the financial services industry is crooked, don't they? We we mm. there are all sorts of mis-selling scandals going on, and I think that it's it's initiatives like your websites, initiatives like the book, which put these things into simple terms, which blow away all of those horrible old cobwebs. Is is it, it is it is the way that we're going to get more trust in the financial services industry and get more people interested in and also I think we just need to be more approachable as well. Mm. I think we're not we're not a warm cuddly industry naturally from the outside. <laughs> certainly not, certainly not. I mean again it still has this probably cliched image of men in suits and ties doesn't it and big marble offices and things like that and it doesn't need to be like that it can be fun you know it can be immediate and it can be just like talking like we said talking to somebody in the pub about your money 
There's nothing, there's nothing yeah. more complicated to it than that. Lisa, this is the Marketing and Finance podcast. We've talked a little bit about how you're going to market your book once it comes out. But one of the things I always like to ask my guests is, is there a marketing campaign that's really grabbed your attention recently, something you've seen, and it doesn't need to be financial services, that's really made you sit up and think, wow, I need to buy that, or wow, I think they've done a good job of advertising that? Well, two spring to mind for very different reasons. The first one is in your industry. I love what um, Fidelity, well, it's the Fidelity and Scottish Widows are doing around the research about women and money mm-hmm. um, because a lot of that research is creating, it's sort of feeding magazines and newspapers the stats that they need to write about the topics that are important to, to women, really. Yeah. So I, I like what they're both doing. Um, but then I think I always fast forward the advert um, <laughs> on TV and that kills my husband because he, he makes TV adverts for a living. Um, <laughs> and um, the the TV advert recently that has made me watch and really grab my attention is the John Lewis one, mm-hmm. um, where they talk about them being a partnership. And if, if you're if so about if you've got if you've got skin in the game, you'll take it more seriously. You'll go that extra mile, and it's the kids putting on the nativity play um or it might not even be a nativity it's more just a school play um that just goes beyond everybody's expectations do you know the one i mean have I, you seen I, it? I do indeed yes and i, I yeah. uh, i've seen that advert and sounds like i might have to ask your husband onto the marketing and finance podcast as well because yeah. <laughs> from a marketing point of view you always read articles about tv advertising is dead and you know people do zip through the adverts i zip through the adverts sometimes i watch them just for curiosity but most of the time I zip through them but I don't think TV advertising is dead I think it's probably not as effective as it used to be but people still plow millions and millions of pounds billions of dollars into it so it still works to a certain extent and you've written your own book but is there a another business book that you've read recently that again has made you sit up and think yeah I really like the messages inside those pages the one that sticks out um, with the automatic millionaire, mm-hmm. I think the way that he talks to clients, I've forgotten his name. Is it someone Bart? Oh, I can't remember his name. But the automatic millionaire, um, I love the way he talks about the impact of doing small things regularly to have a big, big impact on your life. Um, it just made me really remind myself that that's what I need to really ram home to clients, what they need to be doing. It's not about getting the million pound check and investing it. It's about the little things you do every day that are going to make the big difference to your wealth. That sounds really interesting. I haven't heard of that one, so I really do need to look it up. Lisa, it's been fascinating to talk to you today. I think we could probably have talked a lot longer because you've got so much going on in your lives. In the meantime, hopefully people might want to get in touch with you or at least register their interest in the book. So tell me, what's the best way that people should get in touch with you? Um, so you can the easiest way is through my website, which is misslolly.com. Um, on there, you can see all the social media links to Instagram and Twitter and ability to email me and then if if you want to pre-order a copy of the book if you just google lisa conway hughes penguin it comes up with um a pre-order page on the penguin website fantastic and i'll include links to the miss lolly website and to the penguin um book page in the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I wish you every success for the future. 
every success for the book and hopefully when I'm in London at some point we can get together and have a coffee and talk about how successful it's been that would be lovely thank you for having me thanks for listening to the marketing and finance podcast do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.